Now, today's word. Fourth thing the Bible says about wisdom, it says don't forget her. Don't forget her. That means always keep wisdom in your mind. Don't allow time and age to diminish your love for wisdom. Don't forget her. One of the most beautiful sights in our world is a sight of an old man and an old woman who have been in love probably for about 60 years and still in love and, and walking and talking with endearment. Even their jokes, their teasing, it's all love. Uh, the, the, the way they wait for one another and care for one another and help each other. You see people whose love have endured for 60 years. It's more beautiful than the young man who is buying flowers. Do we, do we buy flowers in Ghana? What do they buy? What do the young men buy? Chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> I love you like chocolate. <laughs> now, wisdom must be loved. And don't forget her. And the fifth thing that Proverbs says we must do about wisdom, it says don't forsake her. Don't exchange wisdom for anything. You'll be tempted to exchange wisdom for something else, but don't fall for it. I think that was the problem of King Solomon, and we'll talk a bit about him later in the series. King Solomon had wisdom, but he forsook wisdom and, and, and began to pursue power and fame and women and forsook wisdom. So sometimes we, we have wisdom, but we forget wisdom and pursue other things. Wisdom has a lot of competition, and one of the greatest competitions for wisdom is money. Second competition for wisdom is power. Third competition for wisdom is fame. Now, money is good in the right context. Power is good and fame is good. But if you get them without wisdom, you become a liability and a menace to yourself. Solomon had Wisdom, but at a certain point, he forgot wisdom and started pursuing power. All the women that Solomon married, he didn't really marry them because he was in love. He married them because of political expediency. He wanted to form alliances with the, his neighbors. So in order to have peace, he would marry a woman from another tribe and from that tribe and from that country so that those countries would not go to war with him. He was pursuing power at the expense of wisdom. The Bible says, don't forsake her. So wisdom is the principal thing. It is the number one thing. It is the most important pursuit of your life. In all you're getting, get wisdom, get understanding. In all you're getting, don't get power, don't get money, don't get fame. In all you're getting, get wisdom. Your number one pursuit in life, the number one love of your life, the number one love of my life is not greatness. Shouldn't be greatness, shouldn't be fame, 
shouldn't be popularity, shouldn't be power. The number one love of my life should be wisdom. I want to be wise. And that's how the Bible wants us to treat wisdom. Pursue it. Pursue it. Intensely look for it. Exalt her and she will exalt you. If you forget her, she will forget you. In the Bible, wisdom does not have only one expression. There are several Hebrew and Greek words for wisdom, and I'm not going to bore you with Hebrew and Greek because you didn't come to a Hebrew and Greek class. That's my job is to learn the Hebrew and Greek and summarize it in simple English for you. Now, but, but there are several Hebrew and Greek words. Primarily, the Hebrews and the Greeks had slightly different approaches to wisdom. For the Hebrews, wisdom was very practical. To the Greeks, wisdom was very abstract. It was concepts. And that's where you get a whole idea of philosophy because philosophy is, is the love of wisdom. The, the primary Greek word, not the only one, but the primary Greek word for wisdom is Sophia or Sophia. <laughs> uh, and, and, and philos is love. So uh, philosophy is, is, is love, wisdom. And the Greeks uh, just spend time just debating and talking and talking and talking. Oh, yeah, there's a nice idea. And that's a nice idea. It's, it's wisdom, but it was more abstract. But for the Hebrews, for the Jews, wisdom was very, very practical. So it is very difficult to define wisdom with one sentence. I've looked at hundreds of definitions. I've read hundreds, well, not hundreds, but probably about 60, 70 uh, commentaries and definitions on wisdom, and there is no one that has one phrase to describe wisdom adequately. So I looked at wisdom from five dimensions, five dimensions of wisdom. And I'm going to uh, talk about those five dimensions. First, there's the spiritual dimension of wisdom. The first dimension of wisdom is spiritual. And it is the fear of the Lord. We're all familiar with Psalm 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not the end. Not the end. The beginning. It is the entrance. It's the doorway to wisdom. The fear of the Lord. Now, what's the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord has two aspects. The first aspect for the fear of the Lord is to turn away from sin, to shun from sin, for, to turn away from everything that is wrong. The second dimension, the other side of the fear of the Lord is to have a reverence for God, a healthy respect for God. So, so that can be likened to the way an electrician fears electricity. Now, electrician works with electricity, but every electrician fears electricity. Why? Because they know the awesome power of electricity. 
and any good electrician before they work on electricity are going to arm themselves well, clothe themselves well, use the right tools because they know this thing that brings light can turn off the light in my life. So they are not afraid to run away from it, but they are afraid because they know its power and they understand its laws and principles and they don't violate it. And so when they are wiring electricity, they are going to follow strict lines of order. They're going to put the right wires in the right place. They're going to put the right circuit breakers in the right place because they know if we don't do that, this force, which can be for good, can burn my house, burn every equipment, and kill me. It is respect, but it is not respect that keeps you away. So when the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom, it's not the fear that repels you from God or makes you stand away from God, but it is a fear that makes you recognize the awesomeness of God and try to work with Him according to His principles. The first dimension of wisdom is a spiritual dimension, the fear of the Lord. If you don't have that, you haven't even begun to be wise. So, there's a spiritual. Second dimension of wisdom is mental. Mental. It is deep insight into life. And it's wisdom as most of us are familiar with. It is having a deep understanding of how life works and how life operates. But biblical wisdom is not the same as having a high IQ. Biblical wisdom is not the same as having high grades at school. It is moral, it is spiritual, and it is real. Normally, biblical wisdom, the mental aspect of biblical wisdom, is gained through observation, and appreciation of how things work. Remember Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, where we are told the sluggard, not we, but the sluggard, the lazy man is told, go and observe the ant and learn. That is wisdom, mental wisdom. That is by observation. You watch life. You watch people. You watch the man who was very rich and had a lot of money and everything going with well for him. He is married, he has three children, and then he has, picks up a girlfriend, and you watch him, and you watch how his life begins to be derailed, and he doesn't pay attention to himself again. He makes a lot of risky choices, and he begins to lose his money, and he begins to lose his investment, and he loses his children, loses his wife. In the end, the girlfriend he gets, blows all his money. And, and when he's deeply poor, she jumps to another man. Now, when you observe that, and you also go and repeat it, then you lack wisdom. Because by observation, mental observation and appreciation, just like the sluggard goes to the ant, you learn wisdom. You don't need for things to happen to you. Just watch what it is doing to people and learn. 
So wisdom can be mental. For the Jews, it was by observing nature, observing life, and sometimes observing animals. If you look, the, look at the book of Proverbs, it has a lot of reference to animals, to, to foxes, to lions, to snakes, to ants, to bees, to rock badgers, to deers. Why? Because they learned wisdom by observation. Not from book. Thank God for book knowledge. But book knowledge does not necessarily give you wisdom. The third dimension of wisdom is moral. Is moral. That is righteous conduct. It is the ability to tell between right and wrong. It's a moral force. So, we judge people's wisdom by their morality. If the person is always doing the wrong thing, wrong choices, wrong decisions, we don't judge them to be right. But if the person is doing the right thing, we judge them to be wise. So wisdom has a moral dimension to it. Number four, fourth dimension, wisdom is practical. Is the practical aspect of wisdom. Creative solutions to problems. This is the technical aspect of wisdom. It is being creative. In Hebrew society, this is how most people viewed wisdom. Among the Hebrews, this is how most people viewed wisdom. As, as a matter of fact, the first person in the Bible described as having wisdom was a person who was a technical craftsman, a manufacturer, Bezalel. And we'll talk about him later. So practical solutions, practical solutions. Wisdom can be personal and wisdom can be collective. So when you go to a person's life, you can tell by the practical solutions they have whether they have wisdom or not. You can tell. When I was growing up, I, I had a, a very good friend, and a really good friend. And he lived in just a one-room boys' quarters, um, but he, he, he kept it so neat, so clean. He had his bed, and every time I went to his room, his bed was dressed. And he had a little cupboard. He didn't have much, but in the cardboard, everything was well arranged. And he had a box of cornflakes. He had some tins of some food item, maybe corned beef and some milk and, and so on and so forth. Nicely arranged. And a couple of books. He didn't have much. And I really admired him. I later got to know that all those things were empty. But... <laughs> But any time I went to his room, I felt, wow, this man is very prosperous. He has conflicts, a box of conflict. He has milk all the time. All the time. And he had his small radio set on top of his, uh, his uh, uh, whatever, cabinet. And he had all these little, little things. His dress was well 
iron. His shirts were well ironed, trousers well ironed. He had a small uh, wardrobe. I don't even know what to call it, wardrobe. And all these things were well ironed, you know. And, and any time I went to him, I said, I wish I was like that. I wish I was like that. Now, he wasn't rich. He didn't have much. But just entering his room, you will see this is wisdom. Now you can enter another person's room. And the conflicts box is empty. But it is not well arranged. It is somewhere on the bed and empty tins of milk somewhere and empty uh, uh, corned beef tins and, and the sheds are all over the place. It's the same room, same elements, but you look at that person and you say, this guy, there's something wrong with him. Wisdom can be personal. You observe and you can tell that is wisdom. In the same way, wisdom can be collective. So you go to a city and you see the bus system running and you see cars parked at the right place, food is sold by the right vendor in the right place, shops open and things are not sold on the pavement, they are sold in the shop. And you say, that's wisdom. Then you go to another country, they also have cars, they have streets, they also have pavements, they also have shops, but the cars are on the road, parked on the road, blocking traffic. The shop doesn't sell inside the shop, the items don't sell inside the shop, they sell outside the shop. Same shop. Then you look at those people and you say collectively, Collectively, their wisdom is there for you to see. <laughs> All right? So it can be individual, but it can be collective. When you come to this church, you see the collective wisdom of this church by the way we run ourselves. Because this is us, and it is our practical solution to our environment. That's what my friend had. Practical solutions to his tiny little room. And there are people who have five bedrooms who are nowhere as neat as my friend's room was. It's not about money. It's not about education. In all you're getting, get wisdom. <laughs>